of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. A church is as effective a tool for the kingdom of God as its leadership wants it to be. A church is as effective a tool for the kingdom of God as its leadership wants it to be. Who runs the church? Who who sets the agenda? Who sets the pace? Who decides if we move forward, stand still, or let things slip and slide? The church leaders. They decide if we're going to build up fellowship. They choose whether or not prayer and worship will be at the very heart of things. They make the moves that will help us to get each other known to one another more. And they summon us to go out to think out, to reach out. Which is why the Kirk Session and Congregational Committee in this church, as in any church, has such a vital and crucial role. And why we're always grateful when God calls men and women into that ministry. Ministers come and go. But the Kirk Session and the Congregational Committee of a church will be the ones who see it through the hard times, the tough times, who will build it up through their service, their example, their commitment, and their love for God. Three new elders and a returning additional elder come to join our session. New elders being ordained, set apart by the church, recognised as having the gifts of faith and service that will enrich and equip the church for the years to come. A proven track record of loyalty and graciousness. There's nothing here about social standing. There's nothing here about status. It's about faith and vision, love and compassion, about faithfulness and commitment, an eagerness to see all that we're working for here in the name of God to move forward and prosper to his glory.
So to all of you new elders to be and welcome back elders, we're delighted to have you as part of the team that will lead this congregation in the coming months and years. And we know that you feel very much the need for God's grace and and we surround you with our prayers and our love as you take up the calling and the ministry that is the eldership of the Church of Scotland. And we know there's no ego in this. There's no any sense of merit, special merit. But we believe God has entrusted to you gifts that you will bring to the enrichment and blessing of this people and this church that we serve together. Meanwhile, as they say back in the Old Testament, Israel's greatest leader, who had led them out of slavery into liberty, Moses, has to live with a mystery and in a mystery. He would see the promised land, but he would not get there. In the blinding haze of the harsh desert sunlight, shimmering on the horizon, there it was just tantalizingly out of reach. So close he could almost touch it. He has seen the promised land. He has believed all his life in its possibility. But now there was for him only faith in God's future. Acceptance. His role would be different. And he had to live with that reality. And die with the dream just there blurred on the edges of his heart. What then became the issue of the day for Moses was the question of succession management. So who was going to take up the baton? Who was going to take on the responsibility of taking the people forward? Israel needed leadership. The appointment of a successor became the concern and the challenge. It was, it was about legacy now. And that's the big concern for so many go-getters and business giants. What will be the legacy of this thing they have created? Of the investment, the new structures, the dreams that they had that came to fruition? How would that legacy be harnessed and preserved and promoted? And that's a live issue for any endeavour, any purpose. Whether that's the England women's football team that did so well in the World Cup and and people hoped they wouldn't just all fade away, what would the legacy be? The World Cup rugby, that was great for South Africa, but what would be the legacy? What would be the the spin-off? Or it's the culture of a school or any long-established company that has been in a family for generations. What's the legacy? How is it going to be preserved? Whether that's the Church of Scotland, with its imminent, impending and inescapable shortage of ministers. Be it the Church of Scotland, Geneva, and the constant need to renew, to rethink, succession management. Who will be the ministers? Who will be the elders? Who will be the youth leaders? Who will be the musicians? Who will be the treasurers? Who will be the teachers? And it's a uniquely interesting problem for our times. Because just as there's plenty of money to provide for all the needs of the church, plenty of money to provide for its witness and its service, we just need to give it. 
We just need to want to give it, be willing to give it. Similarly, there are astonishingly rich scenes of leadership that exist within the life of this church. We need to have no worries about that. Plenty of men and women who are spiritually strong, immensely talented, rich in vision and ability. But, in new and challenging ways, the argument goes, those very same people are busy, pressured, stressed, with, it suggested, reasons aplenty to step back, to hold back, to hang loose. Don't, don't call them excuses, that wouldn't be kind or true. Simply other obligations, preferences as to how to use their time and their talents. There is in the modern church often a, a different sense of belonging, a, a looser affiliation, something of a less sense of ownership, a reluctance to be tied down, committed in the ways that people maybe used to not so long ago. Don't expect me to be there every week, like the gym you go to when it suits you, or you can fit it in, but nothing too rigid. Though strangely, at the same time as that's happening, there are many examples of people showing immense commitment to something, staggering degrees of commitment to putting on a show, or preparing for a charity walk, or training for a marathon, or going for a 60-mile cycle ride in the rain, or engaging in a French class. And people show great consistency. I have to say how humbled I am by the commitment of so many people in this congregation to be here for worship with such faithfulness and dedication when distance and weather and parking and marathons and access and traffic all conspire to put considerable obstacles in the way. And the example of the people of the Church of Scotland, Geneva, is a powerful demonstration of loyalty and faith and is an inspiration to me as the minister of this ancient historic church. But here's how it goes in the general world of responsibilities and leadership. People who hesitate to take on leadership roles cite countless distractions. Children and their busy schedule. Leisure time pursuits. We all need to relax. We need to keep our friendships in good order. We need to visit our parents and grandparents. We have other responsibilities. Sometimes we need to work at the weekend. There's stuff to do at the house. When else are we going to do it? A long and genuine and impressive list. And no one's making any of it up. However, but, the time is now, and the need for leaders and workers to step up to the plate is unavoidable. Or, or to put it in theological terms, the call of God comes clear to the church. And there comes a time when the responsibility arrives at our door, and we are invited, summoned, to lead, called to serve. New generations of leaders will, of course, respect the work of the past, will initiate change when it's needed, always with sensitivity and kindliness of spirit. They will show the same reliance on God as previous generations of leaders always have. But they will not run away from the responsibilities and the tasks that they share now to shape and sustain and move the church forward. And those who are leaders will come to appreciate 
that there exists within the life of the church those wonderful resources of men and women of prayer, men and women of compassion, men and women of generosity and grace, men and women whose faith is burned deep in their soul with a fire that will not go out. So if you're one of those potential leaders in waiting and are a bit reluctant to take that role on board, you have to answer this question. If not you, who? If people don't answer the call to leadership and the church stutters and stumbles and loses momentum and people don't hear the message anymore because we seem to lack energy and conviction, where else are people going to hear the story of God's love? And if not now, when? There's never a perfect time. There's never a a convenient time. So, in our quest for new leaders, the search is not over. The summons to vision and service comes clear still. Who are going to be the leaders for today and tomorrow? Who will see the need and respond with imagination and faith with sleeves rolled up, energetic commitment? The church of tomorrow, as well as today, will depend upon their willingness to take time, make time, give time, give up time to serve Christ and his church. So don't forget, one of these leaders might be you. And if the call should come, consider the possibility that God may indeed have a key role for you to play in the life of this church as it emerges. And when the call comes, as it came to Joshua in the passage we read, accept that responsibility, that it's your time now to take the people forward to the next part of the great story that is this church. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Tom is going to bring us a time of musical reflection, and we're going to join, as you'll see in the order of service, in the last verse of the hymn that he's going to sing for us today.